0: And this is what I mean when you're over there. You don't know where they're going to bed or where they're going. There's no trail going to anything. It's just ground. And mm-hmm. I mean, there was like tracks everywhere, but nothing definitive on a game trail like where you and I and Paul went, John. Now, there were trails all through that kind right. of thing, but not in those canyons and stuff. But anyway, not where we were. You could be the greatest, stealthiest stalker in the world, but you can't control that wind. You just, there's nothing you can do when one just goes whoop, right back to him. It was over. You know, all this stuff's racing through your mind. It's just boom, boom, boom. You're trying to calculate. What are you going to do? Where am I going to hold? He's got to come out. Don't go back. And all of a sudden, he turns and walks away from me just a little bit. Even if you're around other elves and you're not getting into them and they're not coming, just set up. Try to get the wind the best you can in your favor where you think they're going to come from. And right. I'll tell you what, the percentages are so high when we use this of calling elk in. You just don't know what's going to show. And the difference is when you're working a good bull or a herd bull uh, situation, you know what you're dealing with. You know there's a bull right there and it's a good bull. And so there's no question. But when you're doing other setups, even breeding sequences or cold calling, uh, cold calling generally will a uh, bull sound will, will, will be uh, injected in there.
1: Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Just before we roll into this episode, I want to talk to you about a couple things. As always, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags, main sponsor of the show. Use promo code John Stallone. Save 20% on your whole order. They got some awesome stuff. Get yourself some shooting bags, a glassing pad. Check out some of the stuff that they're working on. Also, I want you to check out LaCusa. LaCusa makes wild hunted american whitetail leather goods like wallets card holders stuff like that it's a really neat deal i got mine about a month ago and i really love it it's nice to know that your whitetail hides not just going in the garbage or being left out in the field and uh, it's being turned into something useful and it will last you a very very long time if you use promo code john stallone on your purchase you will receive a discount and uh couple other things. One, I know you guys heard me say a million times, please go on iTunes, give us a review. Helps me keep this free. And uh, lastly, I just want to touch on all the craziness that's going on in the world. It's really important for us hunters to stick together. They are really heavily coming for hunting. We're seeing it all over the place. It's popping up in every state where they're trying to chip away at hunting rights. And change things up so if you want to keep hunting as special as it is to us now and have it be in our heritage and for the generations to come then learn to be better with your fellow hunter and learn to stick up and fight for what's right thank you let's jump into this next episode hi welcome to days and wild big game hunting podcast brought to you by phoenix shooting bags Today we are going to do a little uh, elk season recap with my buddy Paul Medell. And uh, Paul had a tag here in Arizona this year, so he uh, and he hunted the whole season. Crazy hunt. So what's going on, man?
0: Oh, not much. Uh, thanks a lot for asking me to come on. And yeah, I did draw an Arizona tag, so it'll be interesting to cover some of those points there.
1: Yeah, so my my now now that you've hunted, because you you're typically an over-the-counter elk hunter, and you haven't done much of the uh, hunting out of state, from what I what, you know what you've told me, you know Wyoming and whatnot, but haven't done a lot of the states. And I just wanted I wanted to hear what you thought your what the differences were right off the bat of hunting here versus hunting where you normally hunt. And <laughs> I Well,
0: first of all, there's a lot of elk. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> It was like, uh, obviously, you know, we spent the very first day of the season with you, my son and I, with you. And and uh, we'd gotten into more elk or heard more elk that one day than we would hear in, in an entire season. So uh, it was uh, one guy I had talked to previous to that hunt. He says... He says, "When you when you finish hunting that zone, he says you're going to think you you died and went to heaven." And you know he was right it, it, from the standpoint. You know you always hear stuff and, mm-hmm. and people speculate and kind of over elaborate on things. But after hunting it for 14 days, oh my goodness, <laughs> I can not even count. There them. is a
1: very high concentration of elk in a small. It's crazy.
0: Area. Yeah, it's crazy how many yeah. that were in there.
1: Yeah, so but like on the grand scheme of things, so Arizona's got about thirty thousand elk. Head of Elk mm. and Idaho. I think
0: they were all in my unit.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Idaho has about 125 to ha- between 125 and 132 the given year on a given yeah. year, which is a lot. You know, oh, no, but it's it, spread it, out. It's, it's spread out and majorly, yes. and the terrain. You know, and I think you experienced this that first morning when we were together you hear a bull bugling and it sounds like it's a hundred yards away, 200 yards away, but it's quite a bit further away, which is definitely different than Idaho.
0: Yeah. To a degree. It depends on where you're hunting. I learned a lot uh, hunting in Arizona. There was a lot of things, you know, once we parted ways and we started going to different areas and, and different terrain features. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned quite a bit in Arizona that I had not come across. And, uh, I, and I have hunted, uh, Colorado and, uh, Montana, Wyoming, uh, New Mexico, I've hunted, uh, other states, but nothing w- offered the terrain like Arizona did. It was a totally different thing. And, uh, I, I, really did learn a lot, uh, even though they were the same species of elk, you mm. know, we're both, we're, we're talking about Rocky mountain elk. So what made the difference? And it took me about four or five days to iron this out because I was kind of confused there, to be honest with you. You know, I don't want to make listeners think that I know everything there is and I know it all no, Not no, Nobody I, I learned,
1: does.
0: <laughs> no, I learned a lot there in that state, but it was easy to adapt to it once I figured it out. And you do have to figure that state out. If you're uh, used to, like me, hunting uh, uh, a lot of heavy timber and steep mountains and you're going up... You know, a thousand to twenty five hundred feet literally up and down, or even eight hundred feet up and down and mixing up, you're gonna find the elk are different in Arizona, the way they live, the way they react to things, their trails. Mm -hmm. You know, where you and I hunted, it was mountainous enough that when we went up there, you could find game trails everywhere. It was like normal elk hunting. Mm -hmm. But once I got to those flatter areas and the mesas, and yeah. the juniper and the pinyons. No trash Yeah, the undu- the undulation there. I mean, it was like almost nothing more than two hundred feet. You know, and it was in a in a in a distance, so it was really nothing. And and but there was a lot of elk there. And mm-hmm. what I found out real quick, like those elk don't have a bedding area. Have you ever noticed that in those yeah. areas? They bed wherever they please. Right, because it's, like Cause it's all the same.
1: It's all the yeah, same.
0: Yeah they're not in the same spots all the time and and, and they get moved around by these satellites. That's there's so many elk. And that was, I mean, I could go on in a lot of little tangent areas here. I won't do it right now, but we need to cover some of these other things I also learned, but I did learn right off the bat that you could not use a tactic that said on this more flatter area that once I get him in his bedding area, he's going to commit. Because it, 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 it's a totally different atmosphere mm-hmm. as the first mountain you and I hunted and, and then mostly all of Idaho and, and a lot of the country and the other states. So that was kind of a wash right there that forget thinking you're going to walk right into their bedding area it, because there really wasn't one. It was wherever they plopped down for that day. That's right. really what it was. Exactly it was nothing. It. If you bumped them, they went three or 400 yards. That was about it. You know, as long as they didn't smell you. But if you bumped them for whatever reason... I noticed the satellites did the same thing to them. And that is what I had to try to adjust my thinking is the satellites were pushing them and moving them. Maybe they stopped in an area and then all of a sudden satellites would creep and they would move again. Mm -hmm. But it was like they all moved in a group in unison, 300 more yards, 300 more yards. If I called. Well, my son called, 300 more yards. It really didn't make any difference. Who that's, was calling?
1: That's what it is over not, there. Yeah, it's, it's it the was. traveling road show. It's crazy. Yes, it was. <laughs> I told you you're going to cover a lot of ground on those, you know. It, well,
0: but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, no, But it I started getting them figured out, and I understood what they were doing. And so we started to work things in our favor, and that's when we started to get into a lot of different encounters with, you know, different size bulls.
1: Yeah. I saw that you uh, you actually sat some water, which is I did. And, I was and very and it was surprised to see you.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> very surprised
1: I know, I to do it. Really. I know.
0: You know, there's no water like that in these states that I've hunted. It's not like that. Yeah, because
1: so, there's water everywhere. Like
0: everywhere, know, even in and even bottoms, in New yeah. Mexico. Yeah, it was everywhere. And so when I got there, and I started looking over my map, I got that flat line map which shows every tank in the area. And at first, it's like, ah, oh, who cares. You know, that's cool if there's tanks. But then once I'm there and I started to really look things over better and better and better, I realized there is no water anywhere. There's no creeks. There's no wallows. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. Not in the country we hunted. Did we find anything that resembled moisture other than those, what you called them, ditch tanks? Yeah, cattle tanks. To me, they look like ponds. Yeah, little little dirt. Little ponds Little dirt ponds, yep. Yeah, they're not in a concrete or a metal structure. That's not what I envisioned in my mind when I saw a tank. Right. But once I got over there and I probably looked at at least 15 different ones, different uh, of the tanks everywhere, uh, we started driving around and checking them all out. Just kind of getting a feel for the way everything was working. And and a lay of the land, you know, where people were hunting, where they were camped. and, And there were quite a few. But it helped in our strategy of where we wanted to go and how we wanted to handle it. But I hunted the water. I wish I would have known how effective it was. I would have probably hunted it every evening. I really would have. I, I just couldn't believe how many elk were hitting those those uh, th- those ditch tanks like that. Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, they're tied to Yeah, in the evening, you could – I mean, they were there. That's just all there was to it. And, and I think the very first evening – I had three different bulls come in, and I'm not going to say this is the same for every tank, but not at any time did more than one bull come into the tank at a time, Mm -hmm. and you could hear them bugling all around. Couldn't see them, but I could hear them, and a lot of times the bull that was at the tank would bugle, but when he left, it took maybe 15, 20 minutes, and another one would come in. Sometimes they had cows, sometimes they didn't, and then that one would leave, and in, in would come another. And like I said, I'm not saying that's how it always is, but in my experience, for the three tanks that I did go to mm-hmm. and had bulls at all three, not at any time did other elk come in when there, when it was occupied, which I thought was pretty interesting. But again, I'm sure there's times when numerous bulls will come in.
1: Yeah, and they'll uh, at, fight at right there time. in the water. Yeah, that's, yeah it, it I'm happens. sure they
0: do, but we, we didn't see that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, personally, and I think we saw seven bulls come into the tank, seven different bulls, and and I would say four of them were six points. Probably yeah. the other three were were fives or so, and uh, it, it was just it, it was fun to see them and watch them come in and do their thing, mm-hmm. and then leave and unscathed they would stay there for probably 10 to 15 minutes is what i noticed you know and i'm sure that can change too depending on the elk and yep. whatnot but that, that's about what they were in there for drank their uh, fill and then away they'd go they'd splash and kick like they were in a wall they'd roll around and with their rant they did everything and some of the, there's some video clips that my son did put on instagram that shows them doing all that right um And so, you know, we were able to watch them. And most of those elk were all within 40 yards. They weren't very far. Some of them were within 10 yards. They were right on top of us. Nice. And and so, it was fun to watch it all. So, I hunted the tank for entertainment as well as as saving your legs in the evening on some of those days because of, like you said, covering so much ground.
1: Yeah. A lot of times, especially when I have clients, we'll hunt hard, you know, from before light and... Mm -hmm. You know, into the afternoon or whatever, and then we'll take a break. And then I'll go put them on a tank for the evening. Right. Because a lot of times, for one, a lot of times when they start getting fired up, by the time you catch up with them and get in close enough, it's already too dark, you know? Mm -hmm. And two, because the tanks are fairly active, you know, in the afternoons, more, more so than the mornings, I think... It's just, a, and it's a nice way to give a guy a break too on his legs from having hiked around all day. But, um, cause I, like, come on, you and I did what, like eight miles and that first morning, like, you know, uh, you know, I didn't
0: even, I didn't yeah. realize it eight, was that much. 8.2 8. miles. Day. And it would have been oh, more. That,
1: oh, <laughs> it okay. would have been more if we didn't get, run into that guy with the side by side, try drove us back down, you know? <laughs> so,
0: yeah. No, you're, you're a serious hunter. There was no doubt you're, you're out there willing to cover ground and not even bat an eye. And, and, and that was good. I mean, that there was no question about that. So if anybody is wondering how John is, uh, he gets after it. He's not messing around. He's trying to cover ground and find elk and, 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 and still have a good time with it. The funny thing was I think that eight miles – I mean, we already had that in by like maybe two, maybe earlier. It wasn't like it was an Uh, all day thing. No, yeah, it was. (laughs) was I think it was twelve.
1: I think it was twelve thirty actually.
0: But you know, there was so much action. Oh yeah, we were on them. We
1: were on them since before light and. Like we called and, in. And yeah,
0: we had a three to kill bulls. Yeah, you know, right then we just I was just passing them, right, and, and and whatnot. But no, there the opportunities were there. As a matter of fact, I think I could have filled the tag within one hour of leaving that camp where I was at. It was very close to that mm-hmm. where we had elk in. So, but at the same time, just seeing that much and hearing hearing the, the interaction with the elk, it was a uh, it was there was just so much of it, and that's something you just don't see on our over the counter hunt, and, and even the other best place I've ever hunted was Wyoming mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't even compare not even half as much as what, and I understand that this is just a mid tier unit. I drew, it wasn't even a fantastic unit. It's it's at the top. It's
1: about the top of the mid tier
0: though. Um, but yet there's stuff better. I can't even believe it. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without yep. hearing elk.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it was, it was a, and I think that's what made it hard is, is, you know, you're looking for Mr. Wright. Mm-hmm. I was looking for Mr. Wright. Right. And I shouldn't say everybody is. But but that's what I was looking for. And and then when you have your son sitting right there with you and mm-hmm. he's and he's constantly saying, Don't shoot that one. Don't shoot that one. No, no, we don't want that one. <laughs> you know, and and, and, and and so honestly, if he wasn't there, I would have probably killed the bull within the first three days. Honest to God. I really would have. Yeah. But he had to take my bullets from me, so to speak, you know. Uh not literally but he just wanted to see more and more of the country and more of the elk and the clientele that it offered. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad he did do that, even though I did not punch the tag. I, you know, John, which I probably don't even know if I even told you this, but I passed 23 bulls on that hunt. No, we, didn't get, the, we didn't get
1: to talk. I mean, we were, we, we were chatting back and forth via text and whatnot, but I hadn't got a chance it to talk to you. It was a lot
0: of you. bulls. And, and that was not the bulls I tried to kill. Mm. Those are the ones that I passed on. I still tried to kill. I think six more, six other bulls that I was drawing on, or I did draw on, and so, and then there was others that were. I I, I mean, there must have been a hundred of them that I I wish I could have got a better look at some of those. But part of that hundred is the twenty-three. Some of the other ones I did try to take, but you know, it was the methods of use. It was I had to. I was constantly shuffling the deck, and that's the truth. Where I normally hunt. Uh, I have these elk figured out. And I have, I, I, what I mean is not the area, but just the elk in general. I know right. how they act and they interact. I know what I can get away with. I, I know how to call these elk in, like one after another. But over there, I noticed probably the biggest difference. Well, I think we got on, I'm going to estimate, God, um, oh, it's so, such a hard estimate, of, of ones that didn't work out. I, let's put it in a category. The ones that didn't work out were probably six different herd bulls. It could have been eight, but I think there were six of them that I was less than 40 yards from. Mm. And it was so thick. They were in it. They weren't on the outsides of it. They were in this thick, thick stuff. And some of it was juniper and the pinion, but they were, they were in areas they chose where these things were touching each other. Other areas, the juniper and pinions were, you know, 15, 20 yards apart. Some of them only 20 feet. It, It just depended. But A couple of times, we're so used to in, in 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 Idaho, so to speak, or any of these states with a lot of uh, mountainous region, you get in there, and I already knew it was like nine thirty, ten thirty, and yet we had a lot of bulls bugling by at noon, and I and a lot of people told me they were done by eight thirty, nine thirty in the morning, and I would say most of the days we still had them fired up by by noon, between noon and one o'clock in the afternoon. They it was it was burning. an
1: exceptional rut this year. I, you're yeah. not the only person that said that to me.
0: It, it really was that way. There was a day or two where it was real quiet and much quieter, but mm-hmm. it didn't mean you couldn't get them going. But the ones that were fired up, we had at least six bulls. I was under 40 yards or around 40 yards from, and then just challenged them hot and heavy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And all they did was just walk away. Yep. Well, then what I started seeing is <laughs> they didn't even show themselves. They didn't run either. They just walked away. What did I What did I start seeing? I started seeing as satellites started closing in on them, they would move. The, they did the same thing. They would just move and they knew those were the bulls that were living in their area. They knew them by their sound. They knew mm-hmm. who they were. They did not sit there and fight it out or compete or get in a big old screaming match, you know, face to face. It was like he always kept a couple hundred yards away from them and he kept moving from the satellites. So then what we started figuring out was all we have to do as long as the wind held up was to be on the side that, that bull, the herd bull could escape from because he did not want to mess with those satellites. Sometimes there was three, six, seven of them, and all he did was just keep drifting away from them. Mm-hmm. He, did not, he did not take matters into his own hand and fight them off. And many of those satellites, we could see them moving in, moving in, moving in. And the herd bull with his cows, most of them didn't have any cows. Most of the bulls, the, the herd bulls we saw were anywhere from three to ten cows. I never saw one bull that had more than ten in that area. And and he would just move them. And we and some of it, we were in some really wide open areas and we could just hear the the satellites bugling, bugling, bugling. We'd see them coming in from like 300 yards away and they're just moving nonchalant. And the herd bull and his cows would just keep drifting with it, just as if it was a hunter pushing mm-hmm. them. And it was constant. So what we started doing was getting on the opposite side as long as the wind was in our favor and letting those, elk, those satellites push those bulls toward us. And that is how I ended up getting around 40 yards. And I was trying to hold up there and not do anything, not say anything, but the wind started getting iffy. And I mean, even 8.30 in the morning, the wind can get swirly there and and we're not used to that. Most of the time where we hunt is very predictable up until 10 o'clock easily. And then you just gotta be above the elk, but there is too level and flat and we noticed the change constantly. And so you had to, you either had to make something happen really fast. Because mm-hmm. your time was short, you couldn't just sit there with with the wind being in your favor the whole time and hoping to make a mistake and step out. It, it, it just wasn't happening. The wind was just too iffy. So you'd have to force something and try to make them commit and, and at least show themselves. And they just wouldn't do it. For for those, we did end up getting some, you know, to do that. Uh one of them in particular, the bull I was trying to kill is probably on the fourth day. Uh I saw this bull. Mm-hmm. And uh he was probably 335, 340 ish, I thought. And he was really a nice bull, super tall. And he actually walked out embedded in front of my son and I had stopped for a snack. We we're right up on top of the mountain. I won't name any names, but we were right up on top of the mountain. And what you would call a mountain, which is maybe 250 feet tall, was nothing. Okay. It, it, it just gradually got to that point, and there was a lot of bulls up there. And by then, it was about almost 11 o'clock. And so we stopped, and we could hear bulls bugling everywhere. And this bull came out of nowhere. He just walked right in front of us about 40 yards away, (laughs) and he raked a tree, the longest tree raking I have ever seen in my life. It went on for 15, 20 minutes, nonstop. It wasn't a tree. It was a pinion. I'm just calling them trees, but it was a pinion. And then after he got done raking, he looked around, and he bugled. And you could hear a couple of bulls down below, way down below. And he plopped down. He laid down right there. (laughs) And so now we're sitting there and I'm on my knees and you know how all that country is just full of rock in those canyons. There is no ground, it's just rock. With some grasses growing up, very little dirt, not a single game trail anywhere in the canyons and junipers. And we covered miles and miles and miles. There wasn't one trail that these you know had used habitually to where it was worn. And this is what I mean when you're over there. You don't know where they're going to bed or where they're going. There's no trail going to anything. It's just ground. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there was like traps everywhere, but nothing definitive on a game trail like where you and I and Paul went, John. Now, there were trails all through that country, but not in those canyons and stuff. But anyway, not where we were. Well, that bull bedded. And about 20 minutes goes by. And Paul's right behind you within three feet. We're just sitting there watching this bull. I'm like, okay, that is a really good bull. This is one we would like to take. But there was no shot. We right. could see him. There was 10 there, but you could look right through him, but you couldn't get an arrow over there. And so basically what I did was I told Paul, I said, okay, I want you to back up, go about 20, 25 yards or so. And I want you to give a couple cow calls. I want you to give a couple cow calls and just start raking. I said, don't bugle. Don't do anything. Just see what he does. And so he goes back there and he gives a couple cow calls. And I'm watching the bull. Paul doesn't see the bull. And I see the bull just turn his head and look over like he had a care, no care in the world. He just kind of looked. Big deal. <laughs> he doesn't see me. I have an arrow knock. And then Paul started raking. And I could hear him kicking things with his foot. So he was kind of hucking stuff around, kicking, kicking, and thrashing. Mm-hmm. The bull gets up onto his feet. And I'm thinking, he's going to come to my right. I range it. It's a 40-yard opening, and I have to stop him at about a three or four-foot window. I'm to, I, and on the left side was a completely open field type of a, you know atmosphere there. Right. But a row of pinions separated that opening from me on the other side. Well, instead of that bull walking to the opening to my right, which I thought that's what he was going to do, that's what I would have done. <laughs> but he didn't. He got on the other side of the pinions and started walking the pinion, kind of the fence line, so to speak and he walked right through that opening and he stayed on the other side of the pinions I am standing 12 yards away from the last pinion I'm on my knees I'm saying standing and as soon as I see him coming and he's just walking right toward Paul as Paul is just raking and raking and he gave some really soft cow sound that was all he did no bugle and here come the bull and I went oh it's working perfect and I mean I see his racks over uh, it's in the 50s 52 53 inches tall and I said that is a big bull and as he's coming around, that last pinion, it ends up being a shorter one. It's probably only six feet tall or so. And now I mean he's twelve yards at this pinion. I'm at full draw. I see him coming to the middle of the pinion. I see where he's coming, and I'm at full draw, just sitting on the last pinion, not looking at him, mm-hmm. you know, with my through my pin, just knowing he has to come to that point. He walks over to that pinion and he stops. I see his entire neck and his head and his rack is sticking right over the top of it. And he is staring. Over at in my son's direction where he's raking. <laughs> what Paul never saw him. That bull actually saw Paul. He scared right at him. Paul thought by the time anything got that close, I would have it killed. Right. Like, little did he know how that bull was gonna do it. And that bull probably stood there for 30 seconds, just staring. And I actually had my twenty yard pin right where his neck and his head met. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm just holding it like oh. I don't want to shoot him in the head. You know, that's just, uh, you know, it's, if you hit it just right, I'm sure you'd just drop him in his tracks. Right. But it was just like right where the throat met the neck, head. I kept. I had that 20 right on it. And I'm like, God, oh, he doesn't even know I'm there. He doesn't even see me. And I'm like, I mean, he's got to take that next step out. He's got to. Because I didn't know he had Paul Payne. Right. And I'm just thinking, he's just got to step right out. That's it. And he just stood there and stood there. I'm at full draw this entire time and all of a sudden he just turns around and he walks away
1: the way he came exactly he's like oh just some crazy guy playing with the trees
0: (laughs) he just he didn't run he didn't do anything and 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 it wasn't going to do me any good to try to stop him right there was pinion you know where he came in i couldn't do anything so i didn't feel like okay i'm going to educate him and try to call to him i just let him go and i was hoping we were going to get on him again we didn't but that was a bull that went by the wayside and now it's getting it's definitely noon and we hear a bull bugling off to right this whole time and i said man let's just go get on that bull i said this guy is just screaming i think we can get in this guy's face and he'll come in he was an aggressive elk and so we got down there and we literally got within 30 yards of where he was and once again just thick you couldn't get him out right you know you couldn't just sit there and again the wind is not good and so it's like we got to make something happen fast get back there about 20 yards I said, and just challenge him. I, I mean, as soon as he calls, just cut him off and hit him hard as you can. And I'm sitting there right next to opinion. I can see movement, but I can't see if it's a cowboy or anything. That's how close he is, and I know it's him mm. because I can hear him bugling. Right. And I'm like, I, I have to make sense. And he's on a downhill side, and the and it's you know the sun the, the 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 sun should be bringing the thermal should be bringing the air up, but it's just kicking everywhere. But it's not going at him. And so I'm like, man, we got to make it happen right now. So I'm sitting there watching. I see a flash of horns. I can't size him up. I, you know, I don't want to say he's this or that because I couldn't size him good. But I could hear by his bugle that this was a big bull. And Paul screams a bugle. A bull just, I mean, he retaliates so fast. I'm like, all right, this bull's coming in. <laughs> Paul screams again. And I mean, I'm already at 30 from where he is. And all of a sudden, I see him turning, and I draw. I can tell, oh, this is going to be like a 15-yard frontal. He is coming through that brush. Just, (laughs) I'm watching him come. I can see his rack just hitting everything as he's coming. Okay, how could that go bad, right? Right. I'm sitting there at full draw, right there watching him to get maybe 22 yards, I would roughly say. He made that eight-yard movement. And from my right, through the pinions, I see two cows almost running at full blast. I have no idea where they came from. I never heard them before. They're on the other side of me. They can't even see anything over here. It's just solid pinion. They come running so fast and run right by that bull. I don't know if there was another hunter down there, and they'd been running for 300 yards. I have no idea. He, they ran right by that bull, and as soon as they did, he turned tail and was right behind him and was out of my life. Damn. Just in an instant. Like, what the heck happened to you? I mean, you know, it was things like that right there all the same day. You know, I mean, within probably an hour of one from the other, I'm like, what in the world? You know, but there was a lot of stories like that, you know, mm-hmm. where we were into these bulls and they, and, and then we had some that were smaller. I walked right up on a bull that was bugling. And I'm sure guys were saying, why don't you walk up on them if they're bugling that much? I ended up walking up on one. Uh, he was bugling and he actually was in a bed. He was under a tree and I snuck up to about 35 yards. Uh, to him as quiet as I could. Nice. I made Paul stay back. And so I'm seeing him, and he's a, he's a six point bull. And I kept looking at him. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to shoot that one. No, I want, if I shoot that one, Paul is going to be just kicking my butt. He was probably 280, hmm. maybe a 285 bull. I would have came here. and
1: kicked her butt.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but still, you know, it's like he's right there. And I I'm know. like, okay. I know. And it's I tough. watched this bull for a long time. He just laid there bedded. And then when he got up, He bugled, there's bulls bugled below him and he stretched and I'm like, oh, he's just so dead, you know, and I just watched him and then finally he walked away and then here comes a three by four bull and he walks probably within 10 yards of me. I have no idea I'm there. He just walks right by me. He came out of nowhere. So obviously they were there together somewhere. I just didn't know he was there until he just appeared. Right. And he walks right by me and he just walks on down like nobody's business, walks right in front of me. Of course he didn't see me I'm, I'm i'm pretty well hidden but i wasn't going to shoot him either but i mean it was just yeah. there was just so much action like that you know so even though you don't notch the tag i want people to realize that filling it wasn't really a problem it yeah. was like looking for the right one and you know and i was telling you how the bulls were were, were a lot of these satellites were moving mm-hmm. uh s- some of the bulls around well, we figured that out, like I said, and so we got in a situation where we could hear a bull coming, he would, and he was no slouch, but he was nothing like the herd bull that we could hear. That herd bull is inside of 100 yards, and again, in really thick stuff. It's like they just put themselves in there, and yet I can see the satellites walking around. Right. But boy, they're so smart the way they do that, and he is just screaming. This one bull and I can't get any closer. There's an opening, but he's in this little pocket and anything between it was nothing. And I know dang well, there was cows everywhere. I could see spikes. I could see other elk. And so that was my, uh, that was the only thing I could do right there. And we thought about calling them and I went, no, I can hear a bull coming. There is a bull that is a healthy bull. This is a big bull and he is just bugling and bugling and he's coming from, you know, several hundred yards away. I can hear him. And so I told Ponce, let's just get between them. This guy's coming all the way to this guy, so we kind of get right in between. The wind's really not going to either one of them, and we wait and we wait. Mm-hmm. He's bugling, and then all of a sudden, here he comes. I see him at about hundred yards, and I'm like, oh, that's a really good bull. He's he's a good solid 325, maybe a 330 ish bull. Long time, all six times were very very long. Really nice bull. And so, and this was actually a bull that I got on before the two other two stories I just told you. I was just thinking about this situation, got between him, and here he comes. He's coming around the trees. He's heading at this other bull, and we positioned ourselves really, really good. And as soon as he comes through the tree, I don't know what happened. It is my fault. But as he comes from the last section of trees, he was coming out into an opening. I went to draw, and when I did, he saw you. There was something about my release that I had to let down about, I mean, maybe six, seven inches oh. and redraw. And when I did, he walked. That's where he stopped. His head and neck came right out. And he just he just sat there, stared right at me. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. don't tell me I just screwed this one up. i that at full draw and hold him. And Paul has a rangefinder on him. He says, dad, he's 38 yards. And I can remember him saying, it's right on the video too. He said, he's 38 yards. And I'm holding, holding holding and that bull's just staring at me and i'm like come on out and paul's going "That shoot i said i got nothing and he's what so on the video i finally had to just let down the bullet move it was so long and he just turned around and away he went the other way the way he came and i'm just like are you kidding me and so paul shows me on the video paul's to my right uh-huh. three feet Three feet away. So you could see he could the see the vitals and stuff. 100 percent broadside, even the half <laughs> end. Completely broadside at three foot difference. And oh, I'm like, Are you kidding? He goes, Dad, I would have shot that bull so quick. I said, I didn't have that shot. There believe me, I might have saw that. And I said, All I had was head and neck. That was it. And rack. That's all I could see. Dang. And he was like, you know, it's just how it is sometimes that little bit of a difference. So mm-hmm. it we so it was a perfect situation where we we're able to get in between them. And we probably called in five more bulls like that that we ended up calling. What we ended up figuring was here's what I did. I started stealing it. I sat at night one night, just racking my brain, rocking it, rocking it. And I thought, oh, here's the answer to these bulls. You better remember this one, John. This is good. Oh, listen. This is good. What I realized was the second biggest bull in those areas, which they assumed was the second biggest bull themselves are the ones that would come from long distances to actually try to compete and maybe even combat the herd bull. We never, ever heard the collision of them, but they were the ones that would come from a long distance. There'd be four or five satellites, and they're piping off everywhere all around the herd bull, but they're not coming closer. They're staying in that couple hundred yards, staying away. I'm sure they already know Joe's going to kick their butt. But it seemed like almost every time we got on a good bull, and it wasn't like you were on them, four or five a day. There'd just be one here or there. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them were bugling but you could tell, oh, we're passing that one, we're passing that one, we're passing that one. But then we'd find one like, oh, that's a big bull. And finally I realized what was going on. These other bulls, these satellites, which were no wimps, there'd be at least one of them around each herd bull, but he might be four or five hundred yards away, but he would start coming. And he would come all the way through and he would actually get in there and push the herd bull away. The herd bull wouldn't stand for it. He'd just start moving. Right. And he just took his cows a few hundred more. So here's what I realized. This is when we started calling these other bulls in. We stole the show from the herd bull. We were now the big bull. Mm. That's what I started doing. So I started doing some calling in or even though I had my bow. And I was trying to show myself. I said, we got to steal the show here. We, you can hear all these pipey guys, and the herd bull is just screaming, he's growling, he's limp ball. he's hammered, and I mean, he's nonstop. He is just screaming, and he is the one attracting this bigger bull in. So that's what I started doing. I went out there for the very first time where I could hear a bull going that I knew was probably a pretty good herd bull. So I stole his thunder. Mm. That's what I did. I had just started ranting and raving and screaming as big as I can and just lip ball after lip ball after lip ball and just screaming until I almost shut him down. But the other bull that was coming in, he started coming right to me. And so I, I told my son, I said, that's what we got to do. We need to steal that thunder or steal the show that we are the one that has the cows and we're not putting up with no nonsense. And I mean, that's what this herd bull kept doing several of them. Till it finally dawned on me, that's what was happening. And these other bulls were coming in. So we started calling in these other bulls coming in our way. Well, here was the problem that arose. They were coming. Mm-hmm. So were the satellites. Oh, shit. The stupid satellites would keep coming in before he got there. And of course, you know how they are. They're relentless. They're just keep coming in, coming in, coming in until they finally either saw you or winded you. And that was my only issue with it. But I did have two big ones coming in where Paul Paul finally started taking over and realizing what I was looking for. I mean, just screaming. No cow sounds. Couldn't care less about that. This was nothing but bugles with lip balls and some barks in it and screaming over the top and just letting them know that we were the one that they need to come over and check out. We are the one that has, you know, the hot cow here or a lot of cows. And they started coming. Here's how we started pulling them all over. And, and, and it worked really, really well. The problem was, again, it was the win. I had one bull that Paul was calling in, and this bull had come in from I don't know how many yards. But I crept up for my son on this one, and my son was just hammering it. I see two six points off to my left. And one of them was a crowned six point. He had like four, five, six, all in this big web sticking up, maybe eight, ten inches each one. I was like, oh, man, I'd love to kill that bull. This is so unique looking. He wasn't a big score. Oh, he's just so cool, though. And both sides were equal. I was like, wow, I would love it, but he wouldn't come in. He stayed about 150 yards and just stood there staring. And he's staring at my son, but he can't see him. He's staring at the action where all the sounds are coming from, but I can hear this big bull coming. I mean, he's coming from 500 yards and from 500 to 400. When Paul started doing it, I'm just sitting next to him because we don't know where these bulls are. We just know there's a herd bull over here and we're taking the thunder. And now we're just hammering, hammering, hammer and hammer five for 10 minutes. And all of a sudden we could hear a bull scream. And I went, that sounds like a good bull way off. And next thing you know, he's closer. So when he was probably, I would say 400, he could have been 350. I couldn't see over there. Mm -hmm. I just hear him coming, closing the distance. I said, okay, we got one right here. I said, this sounds like a good bull. I'm going to go up about 50 yards in front of you because it seems like they didn't want to come real close. I'm going to go about 50. So I get about 50 yards. I'm checking the wind, have an arrow knocked. I'm on one knee underneath some of these trees and I'm watching and and it kind of went uphill from me and he had to come up over the top of this little bench to come down where I was. Mm -hmm. So I thought as soon as he gets up there. I, you know, he's going to be within a hundred yards of me. And, and, and Paul's way behind me. He has thick stuff. No way can he see him. And I'm 50 yards in front of him. So I figured out oh, he'll come a hundred from Paul, maybe closer. I'll see what goes on. He came up to that mark and I went, Oh my God, he has a big bull. I <laughs> knew he was a big bull. What the heck does this herd bull over here look like? Oh, I know, you right? Know? <laughs> I, you just don't know. it. But, and he was every bit of 340 inches and he just standing there right up on top of the edge, ledge. And I mean, clear sunshine behind him, blue sky. And I'm just looking at that bull going, that is a bull that I would want to shoot. I am just sitting there. He's not doing anything. He's just staring down at Paul. All of a sudden, he puts his nose in the air. And he must have kept it there for 30 seconds. And he is sniffing. And then he turns his head another way, another way. And he's just sniffing, sniffing, sniffing everywhere. He's trying to catch wind. But the wind was coming right at me. Uh So I'm watching him. He walks off that ledge, and he starts coming toward me. And I'm like, oh, keep coming, keep coming. And I see him, and he stops. And now I'm like, he's still too far for me. He's, he's too far. And I watch him, and he sticks his nose in the air. And he goes about 10 yards right, 10 yards left, sniffing like you've never seen. I've never seen a bull do it like this. And he came right back to his original position. And when he did, I ranged him. I had my Leica range finder right there, and I just went click. And it ninety four (sighs) yards. Oh my god, that's way too far for me. I end up shooting ninety four yards. And he turns broadside, and he bugles about three different times. Of course. And he's standing there, and he sniffs the air again. I mean, a solid minute's gone, but I haven't drawn. I'm just watching him, and there's plenty of cover, so I can tell if he keeps coming. When he gets to this spot, this is where I draw. Well, he just stood there. And the next thing you know, he starts going up to my left. He's like, i know what the heck is he going to do? Try to get around me? And so he could, because, but the wind was fine. I it was really good. And he starts going around, and then he comes back. He gets right back into that same distance. He just did not keep coming in. He goes back to where he was, and he's just, and Paul is just going, Paul has no idea he's right there. I'm yeah. watching this bull. He wants to creep in. I can see all of a sudden I felt the wind hit me on my right ear out of nowhere. And I'm oh like, shit! Oh, you got to be kidding me! And I'm sitting there going, "No, no!" And all of a sudden, he just bolts <laughs> like that. And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" It just—it happens that fast out there. Yeah. And, and it happened to me on several occasions. That it happened to wind.
1: us a bunch of times on our hunt. Bunch it's crazy of times. How that
0: wind will burn you when everything is good. It's just oh, a gust. It's man. like a gust. It's nothing. It's not like it stays that way. I had. Story after story after story like that, where I don't even call that. That was not a bull I passed. I'm not counting any of those out of the yeah. 23 I passed. Those were ones I wanted to kill. Yep. And here's what happened. And, and so it was those types of things that like you could be the greatest, stealthiest stalker in the world, but you can't control that wind. No. You just, there's nothing you can do when one just goes right back to him. It was over. I had to go, out, go back to my son. And, say, and that, that happened, like I said, several times. And it was just like, you ain't going to believe this. It was perfect, that bull. And he goes, what? I got that bull was coming in. He was 340 class bull. He's huge. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. And you know what was unusual about that bull? That I noticed out of all the bulls I saw there, his horns were dark chocolate brown. Most every bull we saw were like white, like they were bleached. And not that one, though. This one was real dark So the bleached
1: brown. ones are the ones that grew up in those flats right there? or, or no, I shouldn't say grew up, but shed their velvet they, in they the flesh. They spent a
0: lot of time there? Is that what yeah, it is? I They, they, sp- what they s- made them
1: that way. So it's the ones that are darker, are the ones that he probably came from where you and I were like hunting originally. It's uh, just oh, what they're it's like, right yeah, now. it's what they're rubbing on those Yeah,
0: but he when they ru- when they rub their board.
1: velvet off on those junipers, it like yeah. peels them peels them clean and white and then they, you know, they'll brown up obviously, but not uh Yeah. Not now, as dark. Like
0: that is, is what we see every day when we're out hunting in Idaho. Yeah. That's the bulls we see. We see they're dark, more, more chocolatey. There's not, you don't see anything white looking, maybe the tips, you know, but, but, but his entire rack. Right. And I saw him for a long time was, was just like that. And so was that big bull I missed. I missed that every bit of 350, 360. And it makes it easy to say that for me where I'm not exaggerating, <clears throat> Kind of for the listeners, because my son has one on the wall that's 345, 348. I forget exactly what it is. And I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I saw this bull step out, I knew he had him easily. <laughs> I knew he had to beat. It was like, oh, my gosh, that is a big, big bull. And, uh, yeah. you know, I shot right under that bull. I thought he was 40. He was a little further than that after we ranged the actual spot. It was one of the few elk we were on that we were not able to range where distance was involved there you know most of the others were much much closer and didn't need anything at 12 yards didn't need one at 22 yards uh certain things but at distances you know normally i try to get right up there and hit things but yeah. this happened fast uh we had heard like five different bulls bugling which we, we picked this one out and instead of calling them because the opinions were so thick see this other country we were calling them in where i said we started taking it over. It was in more open country, mm-hmm. where it was more more of the of the pines, where you could get down on your knees and look 200 yards. So we would start finding what little thickets were there, and that's where we would introduce ourselves as being the bigger bull. But in the pinions, you could get 50 yards from an elk and they'd never see you, you know, but you could hear them. And so right. that's what we did on this bull. We could hear him bugling. And we both went, that is a big, big bull right there. Holy cow. But that, but the satellites were pushing him. You could hear them bugle here, bugle here, bugle here. And he just kept moving. he bugle, but he wouldn't stay put. He kept moving from them. He didn't even know we were there. We didn't say anything. And so he just normally kept pushing, kept moving, moving nonchalant. And, and we couldn't see him. We could just hear his voice as he was bugling back. So I told Paul... I said, once we got around 100 yards from him, and he wasn't coming our way, I said, man, just bugle to see if he answers you. If he does, I'm going to try to slip on him really quick. Mm-hmm. And so Paul bugles, and he just screams at him. Paul cuts him off, he screams again. And on that second one, when he cut him off, I could tell he was closer. I went, holy crap, that bull's going to come in. So I ran up in front of Paul real quick, about 30 yards to the pinion. This, And I got in the pinion because I didn't know where the bull was. I'm, I'm kind of behind it, but I can see through it. Right. And out of nowhere, here come three cows. Oh, I, and I thought, those cows, and in my mind, I'm trying to distance them very fast because I'm figuring he's coming in behind them. And I figured, he's, they're 35 yards. So right as soon as they go out, I see a flash of horns on the other side of the pinions where the cows must have came from, from my right. And I saw the rat, but not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I don't even know what he is. I just saw flashes of, and, and it was in the pinions. And as soon as I lost sight of it, I got in front of the pinion. I went around it and in front of it really quick. So now I'm sitting right there. And I saw where the cows went through. And I saw where he was in there. And I thought, I need to draw right now. And I thought, no, no, you've already been burned like a half a dozen times. Where We had bulls right there. And I drew, and they didn't step out. And I drew and hold and hold. And I, I just couldn't hold anymore after a minute and a half. And I just let down. And so I thought, that's what this guy's going to do. So right when I decide, no, I'm not going to draw, he steps right out. I am not kidding you. And when he stepped out in all of his glory, that was the biggest bull of the trip. Of course. He was an absolute monster. He stood out. He walked out. And when he did, there was probably 12 to 15 feet between him and the next pinions. And I knew if he got there, that was the end of the show. And as soon as he stepped out, he never even knew I was there. His head was looking in the direction of the cows. I drew. I had no choice. I drew right there. The only thing that bothers me to this day, and out of all the stuff that happened to me on that entire hunt, this, I think about every minute of the day. I <laughs> kid you not. This is the one. And you know I hit one and didn't find it later on. I, that one doesn't even bother me like this one does. Uh, when he came out, I saw his head and neck come popping out. And when I drew, he stopped right there. I keep second guessing myself. I've done it before and watched him run. As they come out and they expose themselves and then you draw, I'd watch them just take right off. Right. I didn't want to do that with that bull. A lot of times I can nervous grunt right when I do it, but he was just right there. And as he came out, I drew and he stopped. And I'm like, you got to come out. You got to come out. I'm just holding full draw, just sitting there on my knees, just sitting there, holding, holding, holding. There he is, neck and head, trying to figure him. He's 35, 40 yards. He's something like that. He's a little bit behind where the cows came. You know, all this stuff's raised through your mind. It's just boom, You're trying to calculate. What are you going to do? Where am I going to hold? He's got to come out. Don't go back. And all of a sudden, he turns and walks away from me just a little bit. Quartering. He doesn't walk back where he came from. He quarters out like he's going to take a little further direction and then go behind the next set of pinion. And he's just walking. He turns and he just starts walking, quartering away from me. And I'm holding right there. And I didn't make a noise because he was moving so slow. And he stops, quartering away. The dream shot of anybody's life. Not steep, just right, nothing in the way. And I put, he's gotta be 40, he's 40. And I put 40 right behind the shoulder and squeezed, and I shot right underneath him. Oh, shit. I was so, I, I I bet I didn't even breathe for a minute. I was so sick. <laughs> I was just like, that's the biggest bull I've ever seen in my life. How could he not be 40? He's 40. And I just sat there. I was just like, and my son happened to creep up behind me. I didn't even know it, but he couldn't range anything. I mean, he was just sneaking in behind me because he saw me down there. And he went, Dad, you just shot under him. I didn't know. I I know I just shot under him. (laughs) Thank you for the replay. (laughs) I'm talking like like an inch and a half. It just went right under his belly. And when it did, he exploded out of there like his rear was on fire. There was no... Did you range it afterwards? Well, here's what we did. I'm sitting there just sick of the whole thing. I just can't believe it. I I'm literally, you know, I've killed 35 off of a boat. And I cannot believe I could not judge that distance right there. I mean, it was just, he was so huge. The first thing I remember about him when he walked through beside his horns was how monstrous his body was. Mm-hmm. If somebody asked me, Paul, how much do you think he really weighed? Honest to God. I would have said he weighed between 950 and a thousand pounds. It was the biggest elk I've ever seen. It was a monster. Maybe he did, but that's how big he looked. Bigger yeah. than he dwarfed anything I'd seen out there. And so Paul, I said, go I said, go over there and get the arrow, would you? I said, and where the arrow is, I heard it. It didn't even make a noise. It's it's right there at his feet. It's right there. I said, I, I want you to range it. Just range it. How far was he? I'm gonna and I started walking up when I was saying it and I thought well I've walked maybe five to six steps I'm stopping right here I thought he's still delirious of the whole thing I mean he's such <laughs> a monstrous bull and Paul walks over and there's my arrow right there he picks it up and he ranges me at 48
1: oh yeah. I know
0: I walked at least five to six steps
1: up so he's about 50
0: that bull must have been 52 to 53 yards I would have bet my truck, that thing wasn't over 40. He just didn't look like he was so big. <laughs> but I honestly just definitely underestimated the distance. I mean, he looked like he was so close. And even at 40, I asked Paul, I said, how far did you think he was? He says, maybe 43. And I said, I shot 40. And at three yards, I would have killed if I was right on his chest. And it just wasn't to me, I know. But I was just so sick of that bull. Me giving me a quarter noise shot with not a thing in the world in away way. But that's the thing I took away from the hunt more than anything is I, I, I have nightmares about that bull standing there. I really do. Him just Even at 66, you know, you think, oh, ah, yeah. you've seen it all. Who cares? But, but, you know, you still have that fire in you. And, and I'm glad I do. You know, and I'm glad I didn't wound him. You know, it's just he walked away. He's over there. And that's what led me to that tank. We started walking around. We didn't chase him. At all, we did not go after that bull. Yeah, when he w- he knew what happened, and so we we started backing out. And we heard other bulls bugling. We started walking around, and all of a sudden, we ran into that tank. And and I won't say the name of it, but but that tank was within a quarter mile where he was. Right, and so I told Paul, oh, "Man, these guys—we've already found that they like the tanks. There's a chance he may come slipping into that tank tonight. Let's just stay here because we're probably over 20 miles from camp on the razor." The, on some of the worst dang roads I've ever seen in my life. And I've hunted a lot of roads. <laughs> and this, yep, these roads those are terrible. Holy cow. I don't know. I don't, I'm glad we had the razor. And, and even on that, it still took a long time to get back. But anyway, we decided to, we're going to hunt this tank in the evening. And another bull came in. The, and who knows if he was going to come in or not. There were three bulls bugling in that tank. And they kept getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And, closer. and one finally came in at 6.45. I looked right at my watch. And at 6.45, when that bull came in, uh, I, we saw him. We both looked at him, and he was definitely easily over 300 inches. He was probably closer to 315. And we have video of him. And if you look at the video, I, I look at the video, and he looks like a five-point, a little nothing. But he's not. Right. He, once again, is definitely well over 50-inch main beams. I'd put him 52 to 53, once again, really tall. And nice rack, not the 350 caliber by any means. But still a really good bull. It was the 22nd. The hunt ends on the 23rd. It was the 22nd at dark. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like this, you know, we had already talked. Between the 22nd and 23rd, we're going to kill the first six point. And then I saw that toad. And it was, you know, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> ah. But anyway. I remember was, you know, texted
1: me about that when you shot right on the room. I was like, oh, my I God. I just could not
0: believe it. I, 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 that's the thing I, I take out of the entire trip. Of, of figuring out they don't bed, of figuring out how to take the the drama from the herd bull away and bring these other bulls in. I mean, it was working good. It really was. I Just the win we could not get detailed, you know, to 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 bite and stay with us long enough. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just the way it goes. And the others, you know, he looked over the pin, and the other one didn't come in because the two cows ran by. The other one, I got between him and the bull, and I and and, and I, I had the fake draw, almost so to speak. It wasn't there was something wrong, and I had to let down and redraw. I mean, there were so many instances. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was just nuts. It was the best elk hunt I have ever been on <laughs> by a by a mile, John. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. incredible elk hunt. That's awesome, and, and I, I I could have seen a lot more elk if I probably would have gone to a tank every night. Yeah, oh, it just it, it, they were just incredible, even on the very last day. You know, where we spent five hours looking for the elk I had shot the night before, and we just couldn't find him. And we actually did a, a square one mile grid, and we could not find him. Not even going to go into it; it was all over Instagram with twenty five thousand views. I think everybody in the world already saw it and whatnot, but. We ended up going to a tank that night. You know, I was just still kind of bummed, honestly. Uh, who wouldn't be? Couldn't find the bull. And I know he's dead. Mm. There's no question in my mind, you know, that he, he was dead. I know 11 inches of arrow was in him twice. And both of them were 11 inches was missing off my arrow, and I found both of the remnants of them. So I thought, this is it. The last night, you know, we're already way out here. Let's, let's just hit a tank. So we went to this other tank. You know, there's tanks everywhere out there. There was probably four in that vicinity, and so we just went and sat one, and we could hear probably four or five bulls bugling. They're coming to the tank, mm-hmm. so we're just sitting there, and it got to be where there was maybe 15 minutes of light left, and it was low, low light, mm-hmm. and I could hear bulls getting closer and closer. And I just thought, let's just, you know, let's just call it, let's just call it a rat. Forget it. If even if one comes in right now, I just. I really don't want to shoot one. I do, but I don't. So we get up and we start walking away from that tank toward the, the razor where it's parked out of the way. Uh-huh. And within 100 yards of the tank coming in is a super nice six point with about five cows standing there. Of course. He was walking right to that tank. And when we get up to walk away, we probably walked, we probably walked 40 yards from the tank when I saw him. He was coming right down a little draw. And then I mean, he was only 100 yards away. He was going right for the water. So, you know, for whatever that's worth, here comes the bull. <laughs> would I have gotten a shot at him? I don't know. Yeah, oh, would I have shot probably. him? Oh, <laughs> he was a nice six point. Oh, no. I meant would he have gotten there in time oh, yeah. to still be able to see your pins? I think he would have. But because uh, it, it was, like I said, there were probably 15 minutes of light left, but it was getting low. Yeah. But at the same time. You know, that's how the Arizona hunt kind of went. You know, I mean, it was just, there was this constant excitement. It was just constant excitement. I can't even believe what the rest of the unit must be like. I mean, we hit such a small part of it. Yeah. What is it like? Is it all like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of that unit is like that. Did you get, start getting really far to the east? No. It's a lot more, a okay. s- lot more sparse. Mm, okay, uh, there's some so- really, really big, big bulls out in that sparse stuff. But yeah. they're few, like I was telling you, few and far between. Yeah. So, but no, but, that's but a, that's know, a great unit. That whole cluster of units right there, that's the highest concentration of elk in the state.
0: Oh, uh, see, I didn't even know that when I was putting in for it. It was just kind of a, a friend of mine. I, I didn't even talk about that one. Yeah. The, the friend of mine that I put in with.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You he, called uh, in a bull for him, right?
0: Uh, yeah. He killed that one. And, and so that was, you know, the, the hunt wasn't just all about me or a loss or anything like that. I was just trying to highlight some of the stuff that that took place. Yeah, I, I should mention his. That was His name was Mark Anderson, super nice guy. And we put in together and drew. And yeah, these are just my experiences. You should see how many more I called in for him <laughs> and he passed. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. I mean, this was just my son and I. Yeah, we awesome. called in uh, that many more bulls. You saw some on the video yep. where we're, he has bulls coming within seven, 10 feet away from him. I called another six point into him that. He, I think he walked within 15 yards of him. And then I called them all the way around to where my position was. And the bull is looking over my head. He's probably 10 feet from me <laughs> and he's a six point bull. But I mean, you know, it was just stuff like that that was just one after another after another and I'll tell you another thing that worked really well I called seven bulls in doing this we were sitting there we had one particular day where we were out there and it was slow there was two days out of all of it that I call it slow compared to what we were hearing every day but they were still bugling but they were everything was distant a lot of times you can run the roads bugle there they are you know what I mean Mm -hmm. And, and, and then we got in a couple of areas there were two different days where everything was like a mile away, way off, yeah, nothing close, but there were elk there. So I told, uh, on the very first time we did this, and my right. son hates doing this, and there was four of us because Mark brought a friend of his. his, his he had initials HP, so there was four of us that day. And uh, I had told Mark before, I said, make sure you give your buddy there a cow call. Because, you know, we may do something with one. So anyway, we're sitting there and nothing's going on. But I can hear distant bugles. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a creative cow calling sequence right now. Just kind of do what you're doing. is you're doing a cow party. Uh-huh. And you do not use a bull sound. So I said, you're going to give. I, I had two calls. Paul had two calls. Mark had two. And what's his name? Had one. I said, we are going to sound like seven different cows here. I said. And we are not going to call all at the same time. I'm going to start it, then you chime in, then you, and you. And next thing you know, we're just randomly going on, uh, you know, with these sounds. And it, it was, I got three calls right here. I'm going to show you what I was doing. Okay, is that all right? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Here's what
0: I was doing with these calls. <clears throat> and remember, Paul had two, Mark had two, and the other guy had one. So you can imagine the chorus. Yeah, yeah. You kind of start slow, kind of a, kind of started like that. just You know, you don't want everybody hitting in at once and, and making it sound unrealistic. So I started like that and I kind of pointed at one of them. Then he did a call, pointed at another one. And we're probably all about five yards apart. And we're looking at each other. This is very important if there's two of you or more, because now you can see 360. If you're right. all looking the same direction, where you think it's going to come from. We did this the very first time. And like I said, Paul hates doing it because you have to sit there. And so I started doing that. So see, that's a bite and blow call. Uh And that's a wreath. And here's another bite and blow. Imagine everybody piping in now. Mm-hmm. So now you got it sounds like a elk party. We are just going and, and calling, calling, and calling, and we do it for about five minutes. Wind it up until we are just really going. I'm throwing in a couple of little buzzes. When you're doing a contact buzz by doing the creative cow call, mm-hmm. you have to be extremely careful because if you do anything rapid with it, it denotes an alarm. And and you'll hear if 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 a cow is has other cows run or a bull doesn't matter. And there's an issue and she goes to that contact buzz. And there's something wrong. You'll hear her do this. Real quick. That is that sound means for elk to gather together. Come on over. Hey, get over here. That's what that means. But when she does it fast, it's like saying, "Hey, come on over here," or or you can go, "Come over here. Come over here. Come over here, quick." You see what I mean? And that's yeah. what she's doing. There's a, there's a threat. So when you're doing a contact buzz, you got to make sure there's hesitation. Kind of more of a. That's about all you do. And she, all she's doing is keeping contact with those other cows that aren't her. You know, there's seven of them out there and some will be wandering off and dah, dah, da, And she'll just call them back. And that's all she'll do when there's no concern. Mm-hmm. And then you keep going with the cow calls. About every two minutes, you do one of those. And that's a very natural setting. So we did this for about five or six minutes. After that was done, we just kind of wound it down over the last one or two minutes. Just a a, a random one or two, one, nothing. Let a minute go by, do it again, and stop. No more calling. Now you sit. What happened on the very first time? Three bulls came in (laughs) and and two cows. They never made a peep. Nothing. I told these guys to just sit still. I said, these elk, well, they'll show up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, I could hear a hoof hit a rock. And I hear nothing compared to my son. And he's sitting over there bored out of his mind, to be honest with you, just sitting there (laughs) because he hates doing it. And all of a sudden, what happened was a cow walked out. And she walked out probably 10 yards behind the two guys I'm looking at. And I'm like, right there, right there. And here comes another elk. And then here comes a spike. Here comes a five-point, and here comes a five-by-six, none of them over 20 yards. And they're looking, looking, looking. I don't know how far they came from, but it was about 20 minutes after we stopped. And, you know, you lose focus sometimes. You just do, because 20 minutes. That's a long time. here come those elk. And they started looking, looking, looking. And so all of a sudden, it showed these guys. You see how they come in? They can show up out of nowhere. I knew there were elk in the area; I could hear them. They can come a half a mile, three-quarters of miles away. People think you got to be close with this, but you don't. So we moved again. We didn't want those. And we're like, nah, we're passing on those. So we moved again. And this time I got their full attention. So we sat up again and did the same exact routine. Not even 10 minutes goes by. I see Mark pointing. He's just pointing real low. And so I slowly turn and look and I see horns coming through the pinions. Uh-huh. I'm like, comes a dang bull right in. <laughs> and so I'm watching. He's a five by six. And I see Mark draw, and I'm like, and he's, he's a real heavy one, you know, and he's just sneaking in. He's not coming in like he wants to fight. I mean, it's nothing like that. He's just sneaking, sneaking, sneaking from one. And the next you know, he's 15 yards away <laughs> and just standing there broadside. And I see him let down. I, saw, I was like, man, he's going to kill that bull, you know. Yeah. And he does it. He lets down. And but once he lets down, the bull just starts wandering off. And so I give him kind of a nervous grunt with the read. I, I had the read in my mouth. I kind of went, Phew! And when I did, he turned around real fast, his broadside, and he's just staring. And we, had, we weren't going to shoot him anyway. So off he went finally, but it was just kind of fun. We did it two more times. We ended up calling seven bulls in wow. four for four. That's awesome. And I try to tell guys this you don't know, We realize how powerful this setup set, set is. No bull sound because you want them to think it's a cow group unattended by a bull and so they come in so nonchalant free you know who to say how big a bull you're going to call in or it's always going to be satellites if i had done that night i I'd had to kill that first five points came in or five by six yeah I'd have right done so over the counter that bull's going down and so you can use these kind of setups anywhere i mean we we used to do them all the time but we like running and gunning and going after, you know, the herd bulls, just like you do. But at the same time, these are great things to consider. Even if you're around other elk and you're not getting into them and they're not coming, just set up. Try to get the wind the best you can in your favor where you think they're going to come from. And I'll tell you something. All seven of those elk, I'm not calling the cow, I'm not counting the cows as spikes. I'm just calling, counting bulls. All seven of those bulls came in, all seven where I didn't think they were going to come from. they (laughs) not not usually the case. (laughs) I know you think, no, they're going to come right over here. This is the perfect windows or doors to come through. And they would come from over here. And, and so that's why I'm trying to say, if if you try this or others try that out there, make sure you face each other because these elk will come where you least expect it. Like, why would they come through that? But they do. And they can come through like a ghost. They just, there they are. So, you know, if people are just, you know, wanting to shoot something with horns or cows or whatever is legal for them, this is a great spike killer. I, when, I, when when guys have spike tags, I tell them to use this, especially if you see a spike and you're just running somewhere, don't call to him, leave him alone. He'll, he'll stop running a few hundred yards. I don't care where you're at. Just get around, get the wind right and go to that little cow party. He'll wander right in. He will come in like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. But don't go over there and start bugling and and, and and just do one little cow call. No, you want to make as many as you can because it's just so inviting. And, and they're herd animals, and it's a you know it, it doesn't mean anything to them. They come in just like like they're drawn in or reeled in with a fishing reel. I'm not kidding. Mm. They just show right up to that to that little gathering. So I just thought that was interesting to share that creative cow uh, sequence.
1: Well, you and I have talked about that. Cause I remember I was messaging you. I had this one situation. I was like, I don't know what the friggin' do at this oh, point. that's right.
2: That's and you
1: right. told me to use that. And, um, we actually did. And we had the bull come, but he, the wind just screwed us up and it never ended up happening. And then later on, actually it was the last day. It was the last day of our haunt. Um, I had glassed up a bedded bull Mm-hmm. Like a f- little five by five, and I unbeknownst to me, he had three other bulls with them. I had eventually oh. saw one of the other bulls, which was just like a, like a, like a spike with little forks at the top, like a tall, <laughs> uh, so yeah, devil
0: horns. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it was crazy. So I and I saw I, I saw those two. So I sent Charles down there and I said, "Listen, just get in really tight, and just start." making a bunch of different cow sounds start off slow and i kind of explained it to him and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he did that and he got like no reaction at first and he was like only 50 yards from them and i'm like okay i'm like he's like all right so he got up and he got even closer now he's like 30 yards from them but he can't shoot him because it's so thick right there Yeah, starts cow calling they all stand up and they're like running around him in circles searching for the cow <laughs> and he said he had him like 15 yards at some time. He would have a head. That right? have, you know, it was crazy, and it's just he's like, if I would have had somebody calling for me, because you know they were pinpoint they pinpointed the sound, even though he was trying to throw oh, yeah. it deflect it, whatever. And yeah, it was just it was crazy because uh,
0: oh, it works. We've called yeah. so many elk with it, you know, and, uh, it, it, and and again, it's not like you're just sitting there cow calling. Yeah. You are making, uh, this is a party where right. you are just going every direction with different tones and pitches and volume and length and short ones and calves. And, and, and it just, you know, it paints this picture in their mind's eyes. There are elk over there. And, and I think what makes it so, you know, provocative, so to speak, there's no bull in it. Yeah. So it's, it, it, there's no intimidation and, and anything can come in freely or, or come over and at least look, they want to see them. And I'll tell you what, the percentages are so high when we use this of calling elk in, you just don't know what's going to show. And the difference is when you're working a good bull or a herd bull uh, situation, you know what you're dealing with. You know there's a bull right there, and it's a good bull. And so there's no question. But when you're doing other setups, even breeding sequences or cold calling, uh, cold calling generally will a bull sound will will, will be uh, injected in there. But this creative cow calling sequence he doesn't you know there was a couple of sounds i got to share with you i want to know if you've ever heard these mm. this two different bulls on two different evenings made this sound when they were in the water they were standing in the water uh-huh. and, and and you shared me shared with me some sounds uh on your recording that when we were together that mm-hmm. i never heard Yep. Uh, uh, you know at least never that close to where i could identify yeah i've heard those before uh, most of them i did but that one that you sent me i'd never heard a bull make that and no human could even do that sound i don't think i've been I mean, i've even, been
1: trying to master it for about seven years it I is, is such an
0: awesome sound if i could just make that little, i don't even know how he does it but yeah i know what you mean but when you hear the, when you actually hear it uh like what you have mm-hmm. and to try to mimic that wow that's just But these two bulls, what they were accomplishing really doesn't matter. But they were doing these two little sounds that I would incorporate into a breeding sequence or the slow play. And the slow play uh, is just really uh, uh, the killer thing out there. I probably have close to 200 photos of bulls this year alone Mm -hmm. of people that use the slow play to kill their bull one group killed five bulls with the slow play there were six of them five bulls were killed with the slow play oh yeah and so you know the thing is just really deadly in the right situation but i think this little sound that this bull was doing these two different bulls were doing uh could be used in it as far as making something more believable so for all of us out there you know that are kind of doing the kind of the and a lot of times in the slow play, which I show that I like doing those little moans like that, and, mm-hmm. and along with some of the glunking, and then I'll pant, kind of the, you know, I'll do a lot of that, and then I'll go to the to the to the glunking kind of, you know, and 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 doing that. But when I heard this bull, she was he was cow calling in the water,
1: right i knew you were gonna say that was, so they i got <laughs> were the most,
0: they were the most silent cow calls but then he started making another noise and this is what i was getting at he was doing these things simultaneously together and, and and two different bulls i watched do it and i thought man how it's not like you're really trying to call anything to you with it so you guys that are listening to, listening to this podcast Appreciate that this is a sound that you can introduce into maybe one of your other calling setups that makes it so believable and lifelike because the elk are doing this. But this bull let me make I'm gonna just do a, a cow sound or two just to make sure I got the read in my mouth All right. Go on. Okay, I'm just practicing there. But here we're going. Can you hear it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like a mouth closed one.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. he's going. But he didn't do that many. He would do one or two. And now I'm going to make the next noise he was doing. He did them together. Come here.
1: Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to show me.
0: he make these little like a bird shirt. I th- and I mean it but it was deep, it was like it was just like that. And he would have that hesitation. He didn't do them together like a chuckle. And he'd be in the water splashy and he would just making these noises. And then I saw a second bulb, both were satellites. But I thought, man, how unique just to be able to add believable sounds to a setup. Mm -hmm. when you're using like the slow play or anything it just shows that you only hear elk doing this you don't hear humans doing that you know we're always louder or we're we're, we're wanting to reach further or we're chuckling you know and and, then chuckles are nothing like that or grunts or anything he was just making these little sounds and once you already have the bull's attention like you're working a breeding sequence or a slow play they hear every little thing after that once you planted the seed they don't miss anything. Just like you said earlier, I'm um, cow calling, and these guys can come from a half mile walk right on your footsteps. Yeah. They know exactly where you're at. This is how keen, you know, in tune in they are. What sound did you thought maybe I was going to use, John? I'd uh, be interested to know.
1: I'll have to send you the recording of it because oh, okay. um, I don't have a read in front of me to try to do it for you, but it was kind of it's kind of like a I hate to term it a wine, but it's like, (laughs) that's what I was trying to explain to you when you and I had a I think the last podcast we did together and Mm -hmm. I was explaining on the last hunt that I did, it's like this, it's almost like a, like a, like a wine type moan. It's like a, it's like what a dog would do, like what a dog whimpers. Uh It's like almost like a dog whimper. That's, that's probably like the best way to describe it. Uh, It's like a sad, it's like a sad puppy dog thing. It's like,
0: Uh like, like yeah. that, and uh, yeah the little wine and they yeah, and they do, the like, they do it with yeah, the cow calls they do it with the cow calls it's like they're
1: they're just mewing they're like making this mewing it's like well, but it it sounds more nasal than a cow does mm-hmm. uh, I actually have it. I, have it I have it I have it recorded I'll show it to you mm. but
0: and that's so cool to when, when when you can use those little nuances like that because that's really what does separate us from the the cookie cutter elk caller mm-hmm. and it really does and that's what can be convincing on some of these areas even an area as good as arizona is with all the elk they have so many times you still have to be able to communicate and converse with them with what they expect to hear just because there's a lot of elk and not a lot of well doesn't mean they're stupid i was going to bring this up imagination.
1: i was going to bring this up so one of the things that's kind of unique to Arizona that you're not going to see in your Idaho's and Colorado's and stuff like that is there's a lot of catch and release. So how many bulls did you pass? 20 Mm. whatever bulls, right? And so these bulls are getting used to, you know, they're the younger bulls from the 280 to the 310 mark, let's say, you Mm. know, 320 mark. Those are, more than likely the type of bulls you're going to be passing if you got a uh, upper tier or you know middle tier and and up right. type hunt. And that's what happens. And what happens <laughs> is they get educated because they know like that and that's why it's that good. those bulls like I heard you telling those stories like oh he was coming and then he stopped and he was like really sniffing and sniffing because he was like Probably yeah not. this is convincing this sounds right but I've been here before, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's kind of what makes Arizona, you know, it's not as uh slam dunk as everybody thinks because there is a lot of that now if you just want to go yeah. kill a bull you could kill a yeah
0: you could kill a 280
1: one, 280 300 right. bull all day long
0: every day every yep. day if all day long if you only had one day to hunt you would eventually do it even if you had to sit the tank right at night you exactly are, you are going to have your opportunity absolutely
1: but you know there, it's, it's the it's when you when you're, when you were looking for the one like you were saying yep. those bulls once they've gotten to that 330 340 350 and up yeah,
0: they've seen a lot. They've seen it. Knows.
1: They've seen it all and heard it and all. That's great, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's you really got to be challenge. creative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a different. Yeah, it's just different. Different.
0: And it was so. a lot of fun, you know. And and where we hunted, we weren't hunting the the what you would call the open country. Right. We kept looking for the areas that had as much cover as possible, and and so it wasn't like why didn't you just sneak in and spot and stalk them because that's not how it was. Mm-hmm. And it was so dry. That by after the second or third day, that one day it had rained, it was much quieter when we first got there. Yep. After that, oh my goodness, I'm sure you can attest to it. No, it was just like cornflakes flakes everywhere. It's bad,
1: <laughs> and they hear you.
0: Oh yeah, the cows are tuned for every little thing out there, and, and 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 boy, they would alert those bulls if they thought they heard anything that wasn't one of them. Yeah, and they just move off. It was so it was do. so
1: so dry where we were hunting
0: yeah, that that, was, actually, that actually that actually played it
1: played in my favor. Because so my bull that I shot, he was drinking out of a spring mm. and we saw him from across the way. And I, you know, I, I, I did a horseshoe to get around, to get to him. Right. And I, I said to myself, I said, we're going to come across this trail and he's going to hear us coming. Like he's going to hear us come down the trail, even though it's, cause it's kind of like a rocky, like yeah. a rocky trail, like a gravelly trail. It wasn't going to be like quiet. Right. I said, so he's going to hear it. So we need to make sure he thinks that we're cows or something, you know, and all I did was one cow chirp when we started heading down the trail. And I, as soon as I heard him that he was coming up closer, I shut the hell up. You can hear him walking. I could hear his bugle getting closer.
0: Oh, he was bugling your cow call.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when he was real close and I I already had got set up, I just turned to look at Charles and I said, cow call once. And he made one more chirp, and boom! Here he came, do 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 twenty-five yards, and <laughs> and I let him have it. But yeah, it was bad. It was loud, so we we were constantly having to, you know, yeah. present ourselves as elk. We had so many opportunities, and
0: I mean, that's the key: presenting yourself with the noise they hear, associate it with one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. that's that's so important. But you need the. You also need the cover. And yes. you had it because he had to come and and actually. Uh, get to a point where he thought he should see something
1: exactly some of those in
0: arizona man i mean you can just look for hundreds of yards under some of that stuff exactly yeah yeah you're not fooling anything out there so everything had to be more strategic but very doable i mean look at all the encounters we were in i mean it was just it was ridiculous it was so many and even the bull that we ended up killing that bull we were actually driving out of the unit, not out of the unit, but out of our hunting area. Right. And we were in Mark's truck uh-huh. and it happened to be, a, we went, I don't know, maybe 15, 18 miles, but it was on uh, some pavement. And then we got off onto a dirt road for about two and a half miles and we decided we were going to hunt this one area over there. Well, we hunted it and I'm sure we passed bulls. I can't remember what happened that day, but we were leaving. And it was probably 1, one thirty in the afternoon. As we were leaving, we came across uh, where there was a big cut in an opening in the mountainside. And it was above us quite a ways. And Mark's buddy, who was sitting in the front seat,
2: uh-huh.
0: he said, hey, there's, a, there's elk right there. And when I looked, I just saw a flash of an elk go into a tree. He right. said there was two bulls and a cow right there. And the one bull had his nose up the cow's rear. Okay. And I said, you're kidding me. And he goes, no. And he goes, no, no, that's what it was. I said, well, we can go kill that bull. And <laughs> my son, no, nah, we don't need to go over there. We don't need to go over there. We're not going to find that bull. I says, that bull has his nose up a cow's but yeah. we can call that bull. So we get over there and he says, I'm just going to stay in the truck. I'm not going to walk over there. So we, we drive all the way around <laughs> over the mile to get on the other side. And so that's how Paul gets sometimes. So we all bail out of the truck. I said, well, get ready, Mark. I said, we're going to head on up there. So I bugle, and I could hear a distant bugle, way off. I don't know if there's that bull or not. I said, well, there's a bull right there. Let's go. We're here to hunt. We're not here to just sit in camp. We don't know if we can hunt. And so Paul says, all right, I'll, I'll come. And so he, he, him and HP, which is Mark's buddy, they were together. So I move up with Mark. I go, come on, Mark. Mark's the shooter. Let's go up there. It was his son's birthday. And he said, Dad, he says, see what you can do about shooting an elk on my birthday. Nice. And so Mark told me, he said, he said, if I can get at least a five point in well, a decent five, you know, that'd be huge, but just a nice solid, not a little spindly thing. He said, I want to shoot it on my son's birthday. And I thought, God, that's pretty damn cool. You know, really. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so we head off, me and Mark take off. And these guys are about 80 yards behind us. They're kind of just that at, and me and Mark are going, we go maybe a quarter of a mile, maybe a little more. And I let out a bugle, nothing. Zero. we and They catch up. There's, they're not going to be any elk. You're not going to find that elk. And I said, we can't give up this easy. They're up there. So me and uh, uh, Mark, we take off and we just go. And these guys are way behind. And I get up there another quarter. I call in the direction where I thought those elk were going. And I heard a distant bugle. I said, that's got to be them. I bugled again just to make sure, boom, he hit me. I said, okay, that's good. We, a bull answers me that fast. This, you know, this could be good. So we cover the ground we get over there. I haven't called again, and I heard a bull bugle on its own. And so I'm like, we're 150 yards away from this bull. And so all I heard was one. So we're creeping up, and we're kind of in more of the mountainous ground there, where it's timber, no pinions. And we're we're creeping right upon an edge, and I get to the edge, and I'm kind of like with Mark right there, and I said, just let me look over real quick carefully. So I look over, and right as I look over, I see a cow, and she's probably – I'm gonna say she was hundred yards, maybe ninety yards away. I'm thinking that's gotta be damn. So it's only one cow, mm-hmm. and so I'm looking, not saying anything. I'm just staring. And all of a sudden, I see a bull walk out from some just some brushy stuff and some trees. And he wa- and I see he has a rack. And I'm like, okay, there's Mark's bull right there. Uh-huh. As soon as he gets behind him, he's standing there and he's sniffing her. And he gets right behind some cover, and he doesn't see me at all. And there's some cover there. And so I look at him. I grab my Google. I go, just like that. Exactly that
1: bugle. Uh And
0: when I did, wham, he hits me instantly. As soon as he did, I cut him off. And he's just standing there. I can't see him good. I could just see parts of him. And he's just standing there. The cow walks out, starts walking away. She's just leaving the scene. He starts to follow her. He starts walking. And I'm like, okay, I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. He has to get to that next tree. Soon he hits that tree. I hit him right there again. As soon as I did, he stops. and there's a tree sitting right next to him to his right. The cow keeps going. He stopped and he just starts raking and raking and raking and raking. He rakes his tree for like a solid minute. And we're just sitting there at 90 yards or so. All of a sudden he stops and he's walking away to follow her. I go. Just like that. He stopped, and he looks, and he starts walking right at me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean fast. He's coming right up that mountain. And he's just, boom, boom. And now I see Mark. I said, Mark is going to come all the way. I said, get ready, get ready. And so as as that bull comes up, I see him coming all the way from 90, 80, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 25 is what it was. At 25, he stops, Mark draws, and the bull turns broadside. Can you believe that? He was a frontal the whole time. He stopped and he just turned 100% broadside. And you see, if you look at the little video clip right there, you can mm-hmm. see me sitting right there to the left and Mark draws and releases. And because Paul's actually videoed, he doesn't see a bull or anything. And he just, and I mean, he double lunged that guy. And I saw it was a, it was a six by six. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a huge six by six, but he was just a real nice, clean six by six. You probably saw the photo of the I bull. I did, yeah. And the bull runs maybe 110, 115 yards and just piles right up. And so it was so exciting to be able to see him not just kill a bull, but he killed it on his son's birthday, and he really wanted to really bad. And here we are driving in the truck to leave right. that area for the day. It just, it just all came together really, really good. And, yeah, we got him all quartered up, and all of us just hauled him out all in one trip. That makes nice nice when there's four people there. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So, but that's how we ended up getting no cow calling, no nothing. I just hammered him with a couple of bugles and that little grunt of bugle real fast at the end. And that was all he could take Boom, right up the mountain he shot. So that worked out really, really well. And, uh, I wish something like that would have worked out on my behalf, you know, <laughs> like that. And up comes <laughs> out a real nice bull, uh, but it worked out right there. And so that was a little bit of icing on the cake. So it made it all worthwhile. It really did. I was very, very happy for him.
1: Nice. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you had a great time. I wish I could have spent more time with you guys up there.
0: Oh, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, It was an
0: awesome time. It really, really More than I ever expected. And I even told my son, I said, isn't it, isn't it hard to believe the action we were in? And I probably only told you half of it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. And you a- walk
0: away with a tag in the pocket. Isn't that something? That's just yeah. amazing that you could do that and it's just funny, but you know what? I have no problem with it. I have no regrets other than missing that big monster bowl I, I I really do uh, that that one there is what it will be a while before I get that yeah you'll
1: you'll ride. have nightmares about that for a long time. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> it's just such a big bowl. I mean it was just I don't know. it's just so hard to explain, and maybe you can t- sense it in my voice. It was just a heartbreaker to see that guy. And, but you know what, just having the, the, the experience and to be able to see something of that caliber and he was just so heavy and big too, you know, it was all, uh, it was, it, it was a, a worth that price of admission right there. It really, really was, John. And I appreciate all your help and your input. And no, I learned no a couple things from you there too. I mean, it was a, it's a different hunt over there, but as everything came together, it, I would definitely be so much more prepared mentally for that type of a hunt what To expect and mm-hmm. and and because it's a huge thing to be able to. Well,
1: maybe to Paul Jr. will draw it in the next couple of years and you'll have another crack at it
0: if he wants to. You know, we'll see if he does. It, it would be exciting, you know, if, if that were to take place. I, I would love to just go back over there with somebody who had the tag. I'm not saying I would because I get asked this a thousand times a year, yeah. but it
1: would be very well. I'm sure I'll, I'm actually, speak. I'm sure I'll draw it in the next two years. Are you really? Yeah, I mean that that's that's oh. one of my units. So that that and the one that's right above it. Ah. Huh. So
0: well, you know it pretty well, so yeah. I'll have to share some of these other little spots that I was in, you know, in case you're unaware of them, because it really they. Yeah, it, 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 sure. It
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there were so
0: many in there, and that's where the biggest ones were that we saw. Actually, was on that end.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, where we were at,
0: but anyway, yeah, it was all great.
1: Awesome. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go and I uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the, the experience with me. And uh,
0: Absolutely. Uh, it was a, an honor to be able to do that. And it's a pleasure to be always talking, you know, it's after the season. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully a few people listen to this and they'll be able to grab a tidbit, you know, here and there. And, uh, oh, yeah, you know, and, and, and up their game because it, all those little things, yeah, and that, and that creative cow calling sequence, it's, it's sitting right there on the app. You know, it has a video of me going through all the sounds and a lot of written content on on different times to use it. And it really is a money sequence. I mean, this thing, when you're down and out and you think there's elk around, nothing saying anything, man, you've got to turn to this, especially if you're just trying to fill a tag, you've mm. got to turn to it because it really will. I uh, have elk slipping in on you. Just be focused because they come in quiet.
1: Yep. No, definitely definitely a good one.
0: Yeah, it is. All right. Well, thanks, John. I really appreciate the invite.
1: Oh, anytime. Anytime. All right, Paul. We'll see you later. Thank you. Um, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay, thanks. All right. Bye. bye now.
1: Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out daysinthewild.com. And be sure to give us a a review on iTunes. Thank you. And we'll check you out on the next episode.